Come on. Come on. <sighs> Jay Bake. It's <laughs> good. It's very good. We need to invent an alter ego for Jeff. <coughs> like uh, Steve Urkel and Stefan. Stefan Urkel. <laughs> like Jeffrey Bakur. <laughs> Jeffrey Bakur. Yef. <laughs> Yef. This is Geek Orthodox. To the nerd, come on in and know us better, man. Did does, did yours do that thing? Did it do that thing for you in the show? Yes, it's one yes, of my favorite yes, lines. Did. Such a good line. Uh, welcome to Geek Orthodox. The show covers everything from the divine to the infantile and everything in between. I am Dave Buzatil. I'm Jeff Baker. Bah humbug. <laughs> I'm Rob Gowdy. If that wasn't your total year-round sentiment, I'd say, wow, he's in character. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is Perfect very, Perfect casting very true. is what it's called. Perfect casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casting is most of the, most of the work done for you. Um, <laughs> I would say, if we were going to do this, I would be the ghost. No. Jeff is the ghost of Christmas past. I would be present and you would be yet to come. Because... Jeff came up with the idea. I exist only in the present for it. And Rob, you saw the future and came in there. Uh, I had but glimpses of the future. Um, okay. Does that work for you? We're doing an episode on the Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. All right, people. Woo. You saw. You saw it named. I'm not. I'm not surprising you. I hate that. By the way, in podcasts or YouTube videos. When, like, half an hour in, they're just like, that's right, this episode is about... I'm like, I know! I clicked on it. I clicked on it. I know what it is. It says it. You had a title sequence. I know what I'm watching or listening to. To be fair, sometimes I do put stupid names as the titles of our episodes. (laughs) Yes, yes, you do. You do. Okay. All right, fine. Fine, fine, fine. We're going to talk about A Christmas Carol. Yes, I've um, been, uh, I just finished, I wrapped up the production with my church of doing Christmas Carol. Uh, oh. It was a musical version of a Christmas Carol called Scrooge, a Carol with Attitude. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I'm really glad that I didn't know that title. Until even, just now. <laughs> even though I missed it, I would have done, I would have missed it on purpose if I had known that title. <laughs> Carol with that. I despise such titles. Despise them, I say. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the opening of Power Rangers when with <laughs> teenagers with attitude. Yes. Alpha, find me five teenagers with attitude. <laughs> yeah, that was real hard. Uh... <laughs> Not that kind of attitude, Alpha. These teenagers are all emo. Give me like martial arts attitude ones. Like yeah, you know what I mean. He didn't he didn't specify. I mean He didn't specify what kind of attitude. They could have all had terrible attitudes. They all just come back as Danny from Ninja Turtles One. I think Belky 
wait, not Belky. What were the two Belky? <laughs> the two guys who Bulk were like and Skull, ran... bro. Bulk and Skull. Bulk, Bulk and skull. skull. Those guys had ba- attitude. <laughs> Balky and Kus and Larry. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a deep cut, man. <laughs> how how we, okay yeah all right um so, so this episode how, how is was about that power experience rangers. rob you, you you've been on stage before how was it this time did you like your play was it good i did i did i enjoyed it and i enjoyed doing it it was very stressful this time around because i was basically on stage for the entire thing being scrooge myself yep. And it didn't leave me time to, like, practice my music or my songs during actual play, like, play practice, mm-hmm. because we had to go up on stage and do our parts, right? So, it just, it was a lot more difficult to get ready for it this time. Uh, in the last week, everything seems to come together, and, and it ends up being fine. Oh, and this was no exception. Good, good. Yeah, no exception, and, no, I felt really good about it. We, we got a lot of really positive feedback. A lot of people came to see it. Like, we did five shows, and I think we probably had, like, our smallest show was maybe 300 people. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, it was good, and it was a lot of fun, but I'm also very relieved to be finished. Do you know is, what, just... um, in, in theater circles, what they call the, the week leading up to the show? No, I, what? I bet Jeff knows. Jeff, you went to theater school. The, um, sorry, I missed this. I had a call beeping through, so I didn't actually hear what you said. <laughs> Jeff do you doesn't know listen to us when we talk. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what they call the week leading up to when your show goes on? Oh, um, is it Hell Week? Hell Week, yeah. Everyone calls it Hell Week. Um, probably they don't call it that for Christian Christmas service performances. They call it, they call it Heck Week. <laughs> Purgatory? <laughs> or no, no, that would only be for Catholics. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, sanctification week, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but it, it finished off. You were very happy. Many, many a people. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like my church really kind of goes all out for these things. So it's very like, like they punch a hole in the wall and build a balcony for no reason. And oh, wow. have like all kinds of like carpentry done for scenery and stuff like that. So Cool. Uh, like we, we rent lights, we have we rent uh, more mic pack more mic packs than what we typically carry. So we end up tech and scenery up to the teeth. Yeah, it looked pretty professional. I would say that you probably had more money thrown into it than in the performances I'm doing for actual theater productions. <laughs> like Yeah. No, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Like we had a couple of people um who were relatives of some of the cast who are actually in theater. And they couldn't believe, like, the lights and sound setup that yeah. we have, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yep. it's, uh, they, they really do pull out all the stops. And there's also a lot of musical talent in my church. So uh, all of the music is played live by the orchestra, which is really, oh, wow. which is really awesome. Yeah, that's great. So it's, it's a lot of fun to do, but it's, it's so challenging sometimes just to get it all pulled together. Because, like, I learned all of my songs... But then when you play them, with, like when I'm singing with a live orchestra behind me, it's different. 
(laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So I have to like find which instruments I can kind of latch on to and rely on to kind of pick out my notes and figure out where I'm going. Now, Rob, that was also, as we mentioned before, the role that you were born to play. (laughs) Did you audition for this? Did someone walk up to you and say, hey, you are this person or... Um, definitely you are more... a naysayer. You say nay. Will you? Will you be in this? Ah, no. Perfect. You got the part. Yeah, um, not far from the truth. Uh, it's funny because in the last three, I've been in the last three productions, and uh, in one of them we did Narnia, and I was Aslan, right? Right. And like Aslan is like the role I've always wanted to play. And then Scrooge is the role that I was meant to play. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So no, they, they really needed somebody to, uh, to do that part. And because I'd had, I had done uh, some of the other productions before and mostly because I can sing and because I have a very grumpy face, (laughs) they were like, they were like, you, you come do this. (laughs) They're like, fine. <laughs> they're like, again, perfect. Again, perfect. <laughs> Anytime you were mad at them, they're like, oh, he's so good. He's method. Did you know he's method? I also call them, uh, Jeff, do you know what the modern translation, like the modern translation of humbug would be? Oh, um, no. It right. roughly translates into bullshit. <laughs> If someone says that you consider what they're saying to be full of crap, that it's, yeah, no, it's exactly the way we use the term bull. Wow. And if you called someone a humbug, then you were saying that, that you couldn't trust anything he said. That it was like, wow. yeah, the way that we use the term bullshit. Uh, which again, also perfect Rob, right? I told him that. I said, when you say that line, fill it with this. <laughs> use it use it you use it rob this is this is your motivation this is why it's so you <laughs> so we are going to talk about the christmas carols specifically mm-hmm. but i wanted to first bring up the idea uh or or bring to the collective recollection of everybody that <laughs> at one point christmas ghost stories were a thing like yes, you just sat around and told spooky stories to each other, and like, and it's to the point where like, it's in some of our like most famous Christmas songs. Like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. One of the verses goes like, "We'll have spooky ghost stories, scary ghost stories, scary ghost stories." I heard spooky, S- scary ghost stories, and tales and of tales the of the glories of, of Christmases Christmas. long, long ago. Yeah, and, and so it's it just seems weird that we would do such like a Halloweeny thing on on Christmas. Well, um, so I don't know if you know about this. But do you know why they picked the time of the year that they did? Well, I mean, so the time of the year in terms of like why we celebrate Christmas in December. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's the winter solstice, so like Jesus was obviously, <coughs> or well, maybe not obviously, but not likely to have been born in December. Um, but we co-opted the celebrations of the winter solstice so that we could evangelize people essentially. Okay. Um, so that, so that is, that is part of it. Yeah. But the idea was it was the darkest time of the year and like they thought that it was the winter solstice. They were off by a couple of days. They thought that it was the winter solstice. So they thought 
that it it was the perfect time to celebrate the light was in the darkest time. In okay. The, it, because this was, like, this is the time where you're hoping, especially um, in certain places like the the UK, you're just hoping that you're going to be able to make it through the winter, right? This is right. You, this is a sad time. I mean, you, Jeff, <laughs> am, am I allowed to say this? Are you, yeah. Am I, yeah. Have seasonal affected disorder, uh, which is the, the worst acronym, SAD. Jeff yeah. gets a little bit sad. And so it's the worst time of the year, the least wonderful time of the year. And so let's celebrate the light sort of a thing. Was the... There's actually a line from Doctor Who um, that I think perfectly encapsulates it. And I've used it in sermons a lot around Christmas time. <laughs> uh, and is that uh, we're halfway out of the dark. And so where we are in history is that uh, things have gotten so bad that it's the darkest time, but we're halfway out of the dark and Jesus is coming back. And so we can right. look forward to the light. And so, I mean, Dr. Who didn't talk about Jesus, but they used the term halfway out of the dark. And I'm like, and as that's a cause for celebration. And so I, I, uh, I always like to co as the church does co-opt it <laughs> evangelizing people. So, yeah. But I mean like, yeah, like all of our Christmas celebrations, like it drives me crazy when people are like, uh, there's a war on Christmas or like, this is a, I, I've seen, um, this post on Facebook multiple times where it's like, it has a picture of a Christmas tree. It's like, this is a Christmas tree. Uh, put Jesus back in Christmas. And I'm like, actually, that's a Saturnalia tree. Um, yeah. Like it's, it has nothing to do with Christianity other than the fact that we've co-opted it and made it look like, as you do when you're colonizing people to be like, Hey, we can celebrate this over here as well. Um, well, what's what's also interesting about that? I just found out as I was researching this, is that around this time, you'll notice in a Christmas Carol there is no mention of a Christmas tree anywhere because oh, that really? tradition was German and it didn't pick like was in Germany by this time, but was not picked up by the British for quite some time. It was it was just about to get in there because that's the other thing about Christmas is all of our Christmas traditions. We've taken like this is from the Germans. This is from the French. This is from yeah. the English. And we just all mash them all together. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we have a whole episode of Santa, uh, on Santa Claus where we talk right. about do we actually or did that get cut? Or is, no, like, no, no. Is it? No, it's it's in there. And okay. that's one of the things, too, is the British didn't really focus on Santa. Yeah. So they instead had Father Christmas, Father Christmas. who is the ghost of Christmas present in this. Yeah. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah. But let's let's lean more into the so it was the most depressing time of the year. Still is for a lot of people, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um and so it makes sense that in this cold time where you'd be around campfires late, late in the night and you'd want those kids to go to bed already, that, that maybe you'd start telling some s scary ghost stories. And I, so I read actually recently that the reason why it sort of fell out of popular tradition, partly due to um, Oliver Cromwell, who, if you don't know, Oliver Cromwell uh, was sort of the person who introduced democracy to Britain, I believe. So, but there's this amazing quote that he was, uh, uh, here's the quote, on a mission to cleanse the nation of its most decadent excesses. And so cut back on a lot of the more uh, festive Christmas trappings. 
So wow, yeah. So that's the reason Oliver Cromwell, he brought us democracy and the decline of the ghost story at Christmas time. I am not inviting him to to any of my parties. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the other thing I wanted to mention is I love the line Tales of the Glories yeah. of Chris Mrs. Long Long Ago. And I now want to write an epic that takes place in like a Christmas land. <laughs> With all these, like, Christmas characters. Because I also, growing up around Italians, like, if you grow up around random cultures, there's random Christmas characters that nobody knows about, like La Bufana. Do you guys know about La Bufana? I do, I don't think so. Okay, La Bufana is an Italian thing, and so the wise men, they get lost on the way to Jerusalem because they don't know the way, and of course they end up in Italy because it's an Italian. Everyone thinks that the wise men got lost in wherever they are, by the way. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a fun little bit. Like, why did it take them so long? Oh, because they got lost in Italy. And while in Italy, they, of course, bumped into a witch uh, <laughs> who helped them out and guided them to Jerusalem and to the baby Jesus. So This is, this is starting to sound an awful lot like that time that the baby Jesus fought a dragon. Yes. Oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah. So there's a. So I'm like, wait a second. There's a Christmas witch character I can include in it. You know, you got your Santa Claus. Your I. I just want this story with like. I I think your your Christmas epic should just be the origin story of Yukon Cornelius. I will include him. He will be the protagonist. How about that? He's (laughs) like the ultimate prospector. He will be the everyman. <laughs> he'll be my everyman. Well, at least at least he'll be my Rob man. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not everyman, but certainly Rob. So, you said you said favorite movie character. Period. Right? Is that correct? I believe so. I'll stand by that. So on on the on the idea of uh, bizarre Christmas characters, does the little drummer boy like where did do we know where that came from? Was that just created for the animation? Okay, so I don't know, but let me tell you this: my father-in-law, whom I love very deeply, doesn't like the little drummer boy because I don't like he's entire. <laughs> yeah, it's very common not to like the little drummer boy because he is fictional. But he that song is one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's sentiment. Really? Oh, it's so good. It's, it's such a good so, sentiment. So this is an actual quote from my last sermon. Yeah. Because uh, I was talking about how <laughs> the gifts that the wise men uh, brought to Jesus and what they meant and how the gold was for the kingliness and the uh, frankincense was because he was a priest and the myrrh is an embalming fluid. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, which sort of prophesies death. his yeah. his death, and so I'm like, and so I said, the only thing worse than giving a baby myrrh is giving a baby a drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's quite true. I'm sure it was very disturbing, but, but the sentiment of that song is this yeah. idea that the kid has nothing. All right, right. So I understand your sermon is a good point. It's a good joke. <laughs> I accept the joke, but. But that's a lovely song. Except for the part that says the ox and ass kept time. Because I'm like, (laughs) you keep time. You're the drummer. That's literally your only job is to keep time. 
There's a really good version of that song that the Animaniacs did, where it becomes like a swinging jazz beat. But it's it's during that time that, um, like they even though it was in the '90s, like Jesus is in it and Jesus is happy about it and Mary like nods and all that business. Nice. Like just so you know, <laughs> within the the Animaniacs universe. Jesus is the Lord, okay? I just want that to be very, very clear to everyone. Also, Wolverine became a Christian when he met Nightcrawler in the X-Men animated series in the 90s. So, there's also... There's also the Lord in <laughs> That was the non-sequitur. That was not tied no, into just, this at all. I'm just I know. saying thank you we know in other, other cartoon universes has, in which mentioned... Jesus is the Lord, the X-Men is one of them. <laughs> He's the real Phoenix. And yet you're still upset about <laughs> the little drummer boy. <laughs> I love love the little drummer boy. Yeah, he'll be in there. He'll be in there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I So I today listened to the entire entirety of A Christmas Carol. It's only three hours long, by the way. It's not, it is not very long. Yeah. As I, I was Wasn't listening... it published in a newspaper or something originally? Like, wasn't it... Uh, so a lot, no, it wasn't. I've been doing a bunch of research on this. So a lot of Dickens stuff was they would yeah. they would publish uh, a chapter of his books in them. So Hard Times, a book that I I read uh, by him, chapter by chapter was was published in the newspaper, which is also sometimes why he gets really wordy in those because he got paid by the word. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is also so interesting that you could have... If you still had those newspapers somewhere, I bet they'd be worth a fortune. Yeah. Uh, if they weren't all completely fallen apart because the paper was really crappy back then. <laughs> um, no, so he wrote it over, I believe, six weeks, unless I'm mistaken, which is also a crazy little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And he it was released before Christmas, and all of the copies... Like early December, I think it was. It's is when it started being sold, and it was completely sold out by Christmas Eve. Wow! Of the first run of it, yeah, it was very, very popular, very well received as well. One of the things that I got out of listening to a three-hour thing is that most of the lines you've heard, because because it's only three hours long, to turn it into a movie, you basically just cut out the narration, right? And some versions even include some of the narration. So the Muppet Christmas Carol, like there's so many lines that you know that are right from the text originally, right? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I watched the Disney version of A Christmas Carol. Like Mickey Mouse is A Christmas Carol or whatever. That's the one I started on when I was a little kid. That's, yeah, that's, that's my first uh, experience. Th- that's the one that I started on and I watched it with uh, my oldest daughter uh, because she was going to come see the play, uh, just to kind of prime her for it. And then when she was sitting in the audience with uh, with my wife, she was like, which one's Goofy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the most confusing part about that version is? What? Scrooge McDuck is older. Is not Scrooge. Oh, is, no, sorry, no, I haven't seen he it. He is, he is, <laughs> he is. But Scrooge McDuck was a character... Before a Mickey Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Interesting. Interesting. Uh, non sequitur, perhaps. Um, 
the the very first Christmas special ever. I, I'm really, really hoping it's there's a version where Magneto was Scrooge <laughs> and he attracted the money to him. <laughs> <laughs> and in that version, because it's the same universe as the X-Men, Jesus is Lord because <laughs> Wolverine intro- was introduced by Nightcrawler. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the very first Christmas special ever was uh, Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol, which uh, you can find on YouTube. <laughs> I, uh, I used to do um, a Christmas movie advent calendar on my blog, and so mm-hmm. throughout the days of advent, I would post a blog a review of like a Christmas movie or a Christmas special and so I always started with that one because uh, it was the first one but then I uh, also got into some good ones like Santa Slay and Santa versus the Martians and mm-hmm. ones, I remember but... you doing these yeah that just sounds like torture okay let's, <laughs> let's, stick to, let's stick to a Christmas Carol though so in this version the three hour version it does lean a lot on the horror to your point, Jeff. Yeah. And um, some of the versions do get scary. I remember as a young child, the end of a... How, how, did, a, how did Evelyn react to, to the ghost of Christmas yet to come? She's, uh, she's kind of a weird kid. <laughs> <Okay>. She loves death. <laughs> how old is she? Uh, she's four. She just turned four, actually. Oh, then um, she is kind of young for death. Death is usually a six-year-old's game. Yeah, no, she... Um, <laughs> I think that, like, she she was really, really fascinated with Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, like, skeletons, zombies, and Grim Reapers and stuff like that are things that she, like, she's fast, she was fascinated by. She likes watching, like, monster stories. Her favorite movie for a long time was Paranorman. Okay. She was You're just watching, welcome. Yeah, she was just watching Paranorman over and over and over again, which is certainly better than watching The Wiggles, like I have to say. <laughs> she has a little bit of a macabre um, mm-hmm. bent to her, her tastes for such a young child. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think that she was scared by it, but uh, also I wasn't with her in the seats. Mm-hmm during the play and stuff like that. Uh, for us in the play, we had this contraption where a, a, the the guy who was playing uh, the ghost of Christmas Future was wearing, it's almost like a, a harness, like a backpack, mm-hmm. that had like PVC pipes that went up like 10 feet high that supported this head and arms and a cloak over it. So That's so good. Yeah, so he was like 10 feet tall. And That's huge, awesome. And absolutely huge. It was pretty crazy. So it looked really, really good on stage. Uh, and I know yeah. I heard some people like gasp when the spotlight came up on on him and me. Yeah. Uh, because I was so much smaller than him. <laughs> the, the Did you guys feel that in the Muppet Christmas Carol? Muppet Christmas Carol, when the ghost of Christmas yet to come appears, it is played entirely seriously. And I it, it is... It's, they do a good job of making him scary and intimidating. Mm-hmm. Agreed or disagree? I agree. That whole movie actually freaks me out. The ghost of, uh, I think it's Christmas Past, the the, the weird doll yes. girl thing, just like yep. scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. So let, let's let's talk about the horror first, because the beginning of of the story where Marley appears, or 
in A Muppet Christmas Carol, Marley <laughs> and Marley, because they yeah. wanted both those old and, guys. And one of them's name is Bob. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's George and Bob Marley. Right. Or not George, whatever the guy. Jacob. Jacob Marley, yeah. Jacob and Bob Marley. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> or it's been a while since I caught it, at least. It's funny because when we were rehearsing, uh, I had just a slip where I said Bob Marley instead of Jacob Marley once. I never did that during our shows. The reason was because it's Bob Cratchit, right? Right. right. So I was like Bob or Jacob, and I just said Bob Marley uh, instead of <laughs> Jacob Marley. <laughs> it was very easy to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so there's that bit. The other bit is the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. All of that stuff is played with some real menace in every single version I've seen. Like, it needs to be. But there's another bit that's my favorite bit in in it. It is only in some of the movies. And, Rob, when I was asking you this question, you didn't answer, so I'm assuming it wasn't there. Were ignorance and want in it? No. No, they were not. Do you know what, who I'm talking about? Uh, no, not offhand. It's been a long time. I have read A Christmas Carol, but not in many years. Okay, can I read a quick little bit that's amazing? Go for it. Okay, so this is at the very end of uh, Christmas Present, okay? All right. I wish I could give it to you so that you could do it in your, in your Scrooge voice. Forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robe but I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for the flesh there is upon it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here. And the foldings of its robes, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at his feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh man, look here, look, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. They are a boy and girl, yellow, magir, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility, where grateful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tint, a stale and shriveled hand, like that of age, had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no pervasion of humanity in any grade through the mysterious of wonderful creation has monstrous half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back, appalled. Having them shown to him in this way, he tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves, rather than be party to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. They are man's, said the spirit, looking down upon them, and they cling to me, appealing from their father's. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both, and all of their degree, but most of all beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit, 
stretching out its hand towards the city. Slander those who tell it ye. Admit it for your factious purposes, and make it worse, and bide the end. Have they no refuge or resource? cried Scrooge. Are there no prisons? said the spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? The bell struck twelve. Scrooge looked upon him for the ghost and saw it not. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting up his eyes beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. That's, that's the transition from present to future. That's pretty great. Isn't that pretty great? That's ghost story. That's straight ghost story. <laughs> that ignorance and want are personified. It Oddly enough, it, it appears in the Jim Carrey, Robert Zemeckis version. They, they show up. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, they're doing this. They're doing this. Especially when that guy is so happy, you know, Christmas present is just such a happy-go-lucky guy, and then he's just like, oh, by the way, I got these monster children under here. <laughs> they, they belong to you. They're ignorance and want. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, but that's, that's straight horror, right, in the way that it's, it's working about that. What are your thoughts on it, having not thought much of it? Like, just being introduced introduced to that as part of the story i like that a lot i think it facilitates the transition into um into the third ghost so well i guess it's technically the fourth ghost i i i'm just trying to think of the of how to articulate exactly the lesson that you're supposed to take from it i i think it almost is that thing that when you have a dream and something appears so powerfully in it it's almost like wow there's a lot there you don't know what it means, but you know that there's something there. But also, it's so, like, by by calling them ignorant and want and, and having such a strong warning go along with them, it's very mm-hmm. clear what you're supposed to take away from it, right? You don't really understand how the analogy lines up in all of the ways. Like, it doesn't, it's not a puzzle piece that you can really compl- comprehend the edges of, right? Right. But you know what, you know what the picture it's making is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I get it. Like, um, even amid the joyous celebration, there is this uh, ignorance and want. Right? Yeah, and a- apparently what motivated him to even write the book uh, was he had visited um, a uh, like an orphanage at the mm. time. Um, and seeing the kids in, in their estates, he was like, oh man. Because this this very clearly is the, in my opinion, like the best form of propaganda. Like it's propaganda we can all get behind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's very, it's very heavy handed. You know, <laughs> don't, don't be a dick. It's Christmas. It's like <laughs> um, a big part of that <laughs> message. I'm sure. Yeah, and and I think it, the one thing that actually almost bothers me from a lot of the other uh, versions that don't include that is every single uh, every single ghost that appears to Scrooge has something hopeful and something terrifying. Yes, absolutely. 
And with the ghost of, of Christmas present, uh, when he's just like, I, I suppose that he shows you, uh, he shows Scrooge the Cratchits, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Um, and, and he says that there is the little bit of sadness that is what will become of Tiny Tim. Yes. I see an empty stool by the fire and a crutch without an owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you just hear the ghost of Jeff Baker in the background go, hello, hello? <laughs> He's back! Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's some good B-roll that you're going to hear on my end, Rob, when you're editing this together. <laughs> Jeff, I, I mean... If you, I, I said this to Vera the other day. If you go back through all the episodes that I've edited and you you take account of who is like the main person talking on like the the bumpers that I put I put at the beginning and the end, it is like ninety percent Jeff. <laughs> yes, yes, it certainly is. <laughs> so it's, so Jeff, you say things that make me laugh the hardest, and but some of the things you say that make me laugh the hardest are actually accidentally funny as well those are the ones that rob always finds yeah they make me laugh very hard purposely but very hard accidentally as well <laughs> well good yeah. anyway sorry so I have, I have a question i texted it to dave because i didn't know if i was ever going to be able to rejoin the conversation um but does the christmas carol contradict the parable of the rich man and lazarus so that's a really good place for us to to go in a Jesus direction at the end. Let's not okay. go there just yet. Sounds good. Just just yet, but that's a good idea. You're a very clever person. Thank you. Jeff Baker, ghost of Jeff Baker. <laughs> clever um, girl. I do have claws under my skirt, so. Yes. Um, <laughs> raptor raptor claws. There it is. What? <laughs> I like how the version of a raptor he is is also in women's clothing. <laughs> he, he can take the clever girl as you calling him a girl, but you calling him a girl raptor <laughs> in women's attire. Which, because it's a Christmas carol, obviously he's got the weird ringlet things that them ladies that Miss Piggy had. Yeah, um, right. absolutely. <laughs> like a bonnet and whatnot, of course. The ghost yeah. of Christmas prehistoric. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so good. Um, so in in the novel, in the book, novella, in the story, the actual story, there's a lot more darkness attached with present. Ooh. He goes to a work camp and a mine where there's men underground laboring, taking the day off. And, um, and even in that dismal place where they're like covered in soot and everything, and you know what the, what the fate of all these guys are, they still are able to celebrate Christmas, which is part of what's happening with Bob Cratchit as well is he has, they have such a happy Christmas together. It's so heartwarming, um, because of how much they appreciate the the very little that they have and it it sees that as well and and there's within that too they say you know speaking of tiny tim when scrooge becomes sad at the idea that tiny tim will die he says you know if he's gonna die let him do it and 
Um, what is it really? The, the surplus population. There we go. Can okay, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Do it. <laughs> you want me to do the line? I want well, you to do the line, of course. If he would rather die, perhaps he should do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> I, I like how your ending to it is like it's a good idea. Yeah. He thinks yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So there is definitely that darkness to it in in present already. Mm-hmm. It also is a... Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's it's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's integral to the story because the path to the cross isn't, you know, isn't one that you walk upright along. It's one that you come to on your knees. I, I like the idea of a horror element being there because we need to understand the terrifying state of affairs. Yeah. In order to be humbled enough to actually turn to Christ. Mm-hmm. So one version of the film actually included a scene where they go to hell. Oh, really? Yep. Yep, that was part of it. That's where... Where old Scroogey's going. Yeah, it is interesting too that idea of what is required for repentance is not one mere moment. He requests that from from uh, Bob Marley, uh, from Jacob Marley. He says, "Couldn't couldn't I get them all over with all at once?" Yes. But it it he needs it to be long and drawn out, and in the book, it's it is actually there's more mentions even in past and in present, where he realizes that there was a good thing he could have done. Mm-hmm. There's even a bit where he he realizes that he should have been nice to someone singing carols, even. Like, he just remembers these little tiny things while it's happening. So it's kind of inched at that there's a possibility of transformation, more so than in the movies. Any movie I've seen. Let's talk about... Maybe we should talk about versions... And then we should get into yours, Rob, because yours is the... It was a Christian version. I've heard other Chris, Christian versions of this. Sometimes a Christian carol. Oh, I've heard really? that title. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. I prefer, I prefer the with attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say that. You beat me to it. Congratulations. <laughs> he is a very clever girl. <laughs> So let's talk about versions that you saw. So everyone's seen the Mickey version? A yes. long time yes. ago. Um, yeah, I, I'm more familiar Last with week. the Muppet version than the Flintstones version. Yeah, Muppet version was the is the version I've seen yeah. the most. Disney version is the one that I've seen the most. Which one do you like the most? You know what? I, I've never... It's never been something that I've gone back to over and over again on purpose, so I usually just catch whichever one is there. I actually did like the Jim Carrey one. Um, yeah. Weirdly yeah. enough. I saw that in theaters and thought, hey, this was a really good adaptation of this. Like, it's it's a lot more straightforward than I was expecting. Yeah. But uh, I don't I don't think I have an out-and-out favorite. Oh, Sorry, while we were talking about horror, I forgot to mention the Ghost of Christmas Present is supposed to be a light. Uh, a past is like a light. It's supposed to be glowing. And Scrooge is basically being tortured about that girl that he likes so much. So he takes a, a snuffer for candles and snuffs out the ghost and it falls dead. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, whoa, did that just happen? 
That's when he he's back in his bed waiting for uh, for present to show up. So sorry, dark pit. Um, okay, going back. To so the that's room. how he moves from ghost to ghost. Is he just kills ghosts? <laughs> yes. Nice. Why is there a horror version of this? Sorry. There should be a horror version yeah. of this. Is there? The Muppet version. <laughs> Very good. The Muppets has a really good balance of both serious and the kind of humor that I absolutely adore from the Muppets. Like, there's a bit where it is getting really dark, and Rizzo says, hey, isn't this a little bit, like, uh, intense for a children's movie? And Gonzo's response is, eh, it's culture. <laughs> like, or he says, yeah, it's fine, it's culture. Like, that, that's what makes it okay. Don't uh, don't the two Marley ghosts sing a song together? Yeah, they do. Yes, they are Marley and Marley. Marley Whoa. and Marley. Ooh, we're Marley and Marley. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite version is probably the Muppet one, but I I did appreciate a the Mr. Magoo one for starting Christmas movies in general, uh, not Christmas movies but Christmas mm-hmm. specials, and. Um, and then uh, uh, the Flintstone version sticks in my head for some reason. I think I saw it during formative years or something. There's a straight version that's with uh, Patrick Stewart. Yes, there is. I like forgot it's just about a straight that. adaptation, and his has the ignorance and want bent bit, and includes when uh, one of the things that Scrooge does. It just says it in a line: is he goes to church. Mm. Um, they included that bit, and and the character when he goes to church doesn't know to take his hat off. He's just excited to be there, and someone has to walk up to him and be like, "Yo, man, you gotta take your hat off." <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, take your hat off, and he does. Uh, he's like, "Oh, yeah." Um, and you could also, if you type it in, you can just find a clip of him laughing like a madman when he wakes up in the morning right. from the last ghost, and it's just Patrick Stewart laughing for like two minutes straight. It's it's really good. It's really, really good. Isn't there... There's another Doctor Who episode, isn't there, with it, sort of? Um, no? Sort of. So there's one where Doctor... The Doctor goes, um, and there's a Scrooge-like character, and in order to save Amelia Pond and Rory, he has to can, sort of un, unscroogeify this guy. And so what he does is he <laughs> goes back in time to each Christmas for this guy growing up, and then, like, becomes his friend and, like, tries to teach him good etiquette and how to be a decent human being and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it gets into some interesting free will arguments and because the guy falls in love <laughs> with somebody and then she dies. And it's a good episode. <laughs> I remember as a child, I can't remember which version of the Ghostbusters. It was either the original Ghostbusters or... Do you remember that they made like a, there was an updated version with a kid in a wheelchair that was really cool and it was just Egon? Yes, like yeah, 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 I the new, yeah, was, I think it was called the new Ghostbusters or or yeah. ultimate Ghostbusters or something like that. Yeah, I remember that one. I, I can't remember which one in which cartoon version, but there was a version where they catch, they bust the ghosts of Christmas, uh, like the ghosts. And they're like trapped and they have to release them because they're good ghosts to accomplish <laughs> the de-scrooging of Scrooge. Nice. I think um, um, one of my favorite versions is uh, 
the Venture Brothers version, which is really not. It's sort of like an amalgamation of a ton of different Christmas specials. But uh, Doctor Venture, it turns out he fell asleep in front of the TV and it's flipping channels. And so, but he, he there's a part where he's like flying through the air and he's like, "Boy, what day is it today?" Also, the Simpsons episode where he's asking Bart what day it is today. He goes, "You there, boy? What day is it today?" He's watch it, I sir. It's Christmas Day, not you. <laughs> I'm gonna state an opinion I have. I there was a movie that I used to love and I tried to rewatch and I don't. I don't think it held up for me at all. Is Scrooged the Bill Murray movie? Yeah, it did not hold up at all. I just hated him. I just didn't <laughs> like him. I know that's like what you're supposed, to, but like I didn't find him redeemable at all. Yeah, that man. In order for that man to be redeemed. He would have had to have relived Groundhog's Day, not Christmas, over and over again. <laughs> Shall we get theological now, gentlemen? Sure. Can we can we talk about my version? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, let's talk about your version, and that'll get us into Jesus. Yes. <laughs> because my my version was a hair's breadth away from having Jesus be one of the characters in the play. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Ghost of Christmas yet to come. So there, there are things that happen, and, and maybe this is a little bit symptomatic of having things done in theater, where, I mean, theater isn't remarkably subtle. Right. Sometimes. But uh, it's, it's one of those things, like, there were small changes that were made to this, and changes that were made to the Narnia play that we did, which was just the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, <laughs> that... That makes me. That's. Uh, they didn't think Narnia was Christian enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like. And and this is what like it, it makes me roll my eyes and get a little bit annoyed because, the the journey that Scrooge goes on, is, one where first he's he is brought to a place of humility, and then he makes a decision towards repentance. Right. And that is all in the text. Right. Yeah. You don't need to add anything to it. You don't need to dress it up so that we we need to make sure that that everything is clear about who is saving Scrooge's soul and you know all of that stuff. So it annoys me a little bit where I'm like, "No, like let's just take the story that everybody knows. Let's do it well and trust the audience for half a second to put two and two together." Yeah. That's a huge thing for mm-hmm. me is uh I mean that's I, we've talked about it before I think but like that's why a lot of Christian media is so bad is that we give the audience no credit um, in terms of putting things together and yeah subtlety just goes out the window yeah I, I disagree a whole bunch with uh, with what you guys are all saying uh, continue continue what what is it that you disagree about <laughs> well um, it is not it is not the gospel message at all it it isn't the gospel you it it isn't in my, I think it's a humanist piece, not a Christian piece. I I can see where like what you're saying about that, but like the things that I said were not incorrect, right? right. About being brought to a place of humility and repentance. Right, right. right? And yeah. those are Christian values. Right. All I'm saying is, if we do that and we're doing it in a church, you can put two and two together. Also, right. you could have like, right. someone come out after the thing and be like, I hope you really enjoyed tonight. We want to continue this kind of conversation with you. Like, get connected to the church or something like that, right? Like, it's 
there are other yeah. easier ways to connect it to Jesus than by changing the story. Sure. And and also there's all of the ethical slash uh, just creative problems that I have with taking somebody else's work and then uh, kind of arm barring it into doing things that, that it wasn't meant to do. Right. Right. And I, I would actually say, yeah, exactly what you're saying, not meant to do because it's really a story. It is. So this is the, this is the thing that I find so interesting is that a lot of Dickens work is propaganda. And I don't mean that like in a bad way. I actually like the message that he's saying in this and in Oliver Twist and, you know, like he, he's using, it's very similar to message. Um, but the idea is, it, it's, it's a good idea for people to have, but he's not subtle about it, mm-hmm. right? Like in his stories, he has characters whose names are so clearly what they represent, right? Right. right. Like Scrooge sounds so bad right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like he has characters named like uh, there's a character who um is a schoolmaster who is um shaping the kids this is in hard times and his name is grad grind (laughs) and it's literally it's a guy who takes joy out of grinding children into becoming something like into breaking their spirits right Right? And it's in the name. Mm-hmm. You know? It's Oliver Twist, right? <laughs> like, there's a twist in the story. Of course there is. Of course. It's in the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Um, but yeah, so, so it is propaganda for a different cause. <laughs> Insofar as it, like, I, I agree that, like, certainly on the surface level, there's, it's, it has a humanist message in terms of, you know, right. treating how you want to treat your fellow man and things like that. But even just setting it during Christmas imparts right. it with some religious significance. Right. right? You, you, I, you are correct. But yeah. he, so the reason why I'm actually saying this is when I, I studied that story in a English class and we, uh, not, uh, sorry, the, the hard times. We studied that in, in an English class, and I it was at Tyndale, which is, of course, Bible college. So we read an excerpt from, he wrote a, a, a book about Jesus for his kids. That is basically his views on Christianity for his kids to follow after. And he doesn't mention anywhere that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. So the, the image to him is that he's so... He's such a good person, so forgiving, that we should all follow after him, sort of a thing. Right. Is the is the message. And that's like that's what what moves us. And when you know that, you kind of get that. It isn't about how we should have our faith shape us or or something like that. It is about how we should do things. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not I mean, there isn't certainly an element to that in our faith, that it should be lived out in action. But it isn't merely action, and that seems to be the one of the chief concerns. Right. Uh-huh. It's interesting, too, though, because I think just in being in line with human nature, the action doesn't come for Scrooge until he's had a change of spirit. 
Right. Right. Like he he makes that decision towards repentance, and that's when you know the change of action comes. But the I mean, we can we can go back and forth about hey, this part of the story is Christian. This part of the story is works based righteousness. This part of the story <laughs> is more humanist. Right. All of those those little parts. I I like the story. It's it's not terribly complex. I don't think like you're saying. Like everything is is pretty explicit. Right. But then, you know, when we're doing it as a church play, you know, again, there are certain things that make me roll my eyes, such as uh, having the three ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future be angels instead of ghosts. And Well, yeah, it, <laughs> now we are very uncomfortable with the idea that there's spirits which exist, mm-hmm. which in the Bible certainly happens, right? To the seven spirits... You know, like there's, it, it, that's a line from the Bible. Like there's, there are spiritual forces. They didn't do anything to change uh, Jacob Marley. Right. right. They just didn't reference him as a ghost in particular, I guess. I don't know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a line at the end of the play where I literally say, I've been saved. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Where I'm just like, oh, does like, does Scrooge pray f- the sinner's I, prayer? Almost, almost. Is um is Marley in hell then in your version, or does he still got the boxes that he's dragging around? He is. Well, no, he's got the chain and like the uh, the boxes. I guess at the end, like when he came out onto the stage, we made the bedroom have red light on it. And then, like, it flashed and he got pulled back off the stage by his chains. Okay. So, did he go back to hell? Probably. Um, But none of that was explicit. Jeff, you're quite right. That is very Lazarus and the Rich Man, isn't it? Like, that is... Man, thanks, Jeff. Now I feel like an idiot. (laughs) Because that's not even subtle. But like you said, it actually has the opposite... Meaning where it's like, no, 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 that actually would have worked. Speaking speaking of which, the funny thing about uh, churches is that if there was a play that was a parable, we would make it far more explicit. We would think that it wasn't Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd be like, it's a reference to Jesus would be at the end of <laughs> The Rich Man and Lazarus as a, uh, as a movie. And the other thing that I'll say is... That after the first performance or two, I can't remember when they started doing this, but they had one of the pastors come up on the stage and speak like you were talking about, Jeff. Okay. Yep. Except, like, I have literally just been on stage for two hours and 15 minutes. And, like, there's the big musical number at the end, and I am just, like, melting. <laughs> under, like, under the lights and all of that stuff. And they have us all stand there, I'm and this one pastor dying. came out, Sorry. and he just... He just kept going. He just kept going. I could not conceal on my face how much I wanted him to shut up. <laughs> I was just like, this is killing me, dude. Like, I am, I'm like sweating from head to toe. I'm exhausted. I needed some water. Like, you're, and, and you're going on and on and on uh, with these people who came here to see a play, not, not necessarily to be preached at. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I don't have a problem with him doing it, but it's just a matter of, you know, get up and say, Hey, you know, thanks so much for coming. There's more to this stuff and this church. Like 
I think one of the most amazing testimonies is that our our church community came together to put this thing on for all of you. Yeah. If you look at the stage, uh, you know, the cast and the crew and everything like that, we're a big multicultural church. You, you know, none of us are professionals at doing this, and we all came together to put on this fairly impressive play. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of thing that you can be a part of in a community like this. That's one thing that should attract people to us as well as, you know, like the message has a lot of Christian themes, if nothing else. So if you want to talk more about that, this is a good place to do that too. But like, keep it, you know, keep it brief and get, get me off the stage, please. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was dying. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I don't think that the story itself is inherently Christian. It is about repentance. And so it's easily Christianized, I'd say. But I don't think, like, I have a friend, and she's Jewish, and my good Jewish friend loves a Christmas carol. I mean, she loves a lot of Christmas stuff in general, actually. They do the Hanukkah and the Christmas stuff. Um, and it, it's I think it might be her favorite story, period. Like, she watches a bunch of them every single year. Mm. They, just, they just love these movies. And I, I could totally see why, right? It is not a explicitly religious story. It's more about, it, it is very what Dickens' idea of being a Christian is, which is being a good person who, who, who seeks the good of others, right? More than, more than anything else. There is, there's a couple of references to Jesus, actually, in it that I did like. Um, I can't remember them because they're just in passing. Something about the poor because Jesus was poor and like random stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But it, no, I, I like, I really, really like the story a lot. It It is interesting the way that it's almost harder to convert the story to be a Christian message because it's not quite, you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas, whereas, um, you know, Daybreakers, that vampire movie, is very easy to turn into a Christian metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's interesting the way that a really good thing that's completely divorced from Christmas might be easier to turn into that sort of a thing. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I think that, uh, and this is almost the position that I take on on all media in general, is that the thing that resonates with me about a piece of entertainment is usually that kernel of truth that's in it. Mm -hmm. So whether that thing is Christian or not, all truth belongs to the Lord. Right. Right. So if there's something in it that's true, you know, I, I learned something about myself as a Christian uh, by reading the diary of Kurt Cobain. Mm. Right. Because I was like, this is what a life without hope looks like. Right. And like, this is what the, this is the truth of our plight without hope. Right. right. That is true. That, and that was true for him. And that's why it's so powerful. Wow. Yeah, that's good. It's not the gospel, but it's the reason that we need the gospel. <laughs> Right. right, 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 yeah. And every now and then you, you see something that just so completely reveals that to you. Mm-hmm. And 
the kernel of truth that's in this is just how hard a heart can become because of hardship and pain. Right. That journey to repentance that has to come through humility. Right. Like right. those, and that journey is, is very much in line with what I think of as, uh, as uh, uh, coming to Jesus. Right. Right. And uh, honestly, it is a story which also uses difficulty in the turning as well. Mm-hmm. That horror in some form can actually lead us to become the people that we were meant to mm-hmm. be. That that is, that is a necessary part. And I, I do believe in that, right? That like, it's not simply just give me something really nice and I'm, I'm going to become the best guy ever. Sometimes I specifically need something to be running away from as well as running to. Right. Yeah. Um, no. And it's interesting too because he already is beginning to make those changes before it's even um, his death that, that's on the line. Yeah. He already is starting to realize that there's something better in this life even even without considering the end yeah certainly like in in the play that uh, that we that i was just doing it's it's funny because i have these moments where i go back and forth as scrooge to getting lost in the memories of what's right. going on where he's like excited to see his sister again and he's mm-hmm. shocked to see bell the girl that he likes yeah. And then he's angry at the younger version of himself for not speaking up and saying something to keep her, right? And he's right. realizing in his own mind of these are the things that I wish that I had done differently. And now, they, like these things, if I had done this differently, I wouldn't be where I am now. Where at the beginning of the night, where I am now is exactly where I wanted to be. Right, right. Question, did you guys do the song The Love Is Gone, which is too sad to listen to? <laughs> no. Do you know what song I'm talking about? No, I don't. It's from from the Michael Caine version. That that girl just sings this song about how it's all how there's they don't love each other anymore. Isn't the Michael Caine version the Muppet version? Yeah. Right. Just checking. But that scene, that scene has no Muppets. Or like at that part, it's just him talking to a pretty girl. Aren't we all just like <laughs> God's Muppets? <laughs> I had what? no idea where you were going to go. I was laughing before anything came out because I was just like, aren't we all... We could have just cut it there. In fact, Rob, I hope in the editing process you cut it there so that I don't hear him say that because it doesn't matter. Aren't we all... Aren't we all what? <laughs> aren't we all what? Aren't we all just lady raptors just trying to make him... <laughs> Oh man, it is it is very interesting because now that I'm even thinking about my own life, lost love is a part of my testimony, mm. right? That is a part of what made me realize that my life was going in the wrong direction, was a reflection on the suffering and loss and loneliness that was experienced in a relationship mm. and being like, what am I doing? <laughs> That certainly, yeah, that had a very strong element in there. Yeah, that, that 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 kind of terrible memories can really set you in the right direction. That's why I hate when people say that they live life with no regrets. Yeah. Because what I hear when someone says I have no regrets is I'm a sociopath. Right. I'm like, that's, you, that's should, what I you should have regrets. You should regret things. 
<laughs> right? Like if I, if you got in a car accident and you get out and the person says, "What the hell was that?" and you just said, "I have no regrets." <laughs> I don't I don't live life regretting nothing. <laughs> like that is a person that doesn't get parole. <laughs> have, have, have you reflected on what you did? I have no regrets. <laughs> All right. You're staying then. <laughs> I guess you don't know how parole works. <laughs> you you at least have to pretend like you regret this. Oh, man, I hate when people say that. I absolutely hate when people say they have no regrets. Especially when they say, oh, because I became the person yeah. that I that I am. I'm like, yeah, so that was good. I get that part. But that part... Even, I actually, so even, the best even ver- most people <laughs> aren't that great. <laughs> yeah. So there's a version that your wife said way back in the day, Jeff, that I thought was great. Which was, um, I wish I could have learned from my mistakes without making the mistake. Right. <laughs> like, if I could have just known that. And they're like, oh, you gotta learn from your mistakes. It's just like, yeah, but I wish I didn't have to. That's the worst part. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but the idea of uh, Felix Culpa. Like the, I don't know what you're talking about. The fortunate fall. I have no idea what yeah. you're talking no? about. No? So it's something that was expressed by, like, to some de- It's been expressed by some philosophers, but, uh, like, Milton in Paradise Lost makes some reference to it. The idea that we're fortunate to have fallen as a species from grace because we get to experience God's grace, which is the height of his love. Right. So in the end, even though the fall from uh, in, into sin was a bad thing, we are actually better off for it because we experience God's grace. And I it's something know. that has always bothered me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't agree with it at all. Um, no, Because okay, I good. think that you can learn to know the depths of God's love without sinning against it. Right. Right. It would be like saying, if I cut my wife's toe off with a pair of bolt cutters and she forgave me. That's eerily specific, but go on. <laughs> I always get very eerily specific. Anyway, so you cut your wife's toe off with a pair of bolt cutters, and she forgives you. I think, I think that you're better off without her forgiving you because you didn't cut off her toe. Yeah, right. That's that's just my feeling because I don't want to cut my wife's toe off. Well, that's a really. Uh, let's okay. Let's let's finish it up then. So good story of repentance. It contradicts the idea of the rich man and Lazarus in that I really do believe, by the way, that there are people, I have friends, that if they experience what Scrooge experienced, they would have woken up and say, wow, what a weird dream. Right. Like, I literally know people who have said to my face, yeah, if that happened, I wouldn't believe it. Oh, wow. Right. Like, I asked, I asked someone, like, if, if God appeared to you and said, yo, you're doing everything wrong... Uh, would you wake up and think that, that he's like, of course I would think that was a hallucination. I mean, all like all the time you have dreams like that. Right. Right. And I was like, actually, all the time you're having dreams like that, then maybe you should listen one of these times. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but um, no, it's, he said the only way would be if in the dream a mark was put on his body. 
that was there when he woke up. And then up. he woke and then when he woke up it was there. But then he then he stopped himself and said, "No, no cuz it's possible cuz people all the time justify something after the yeah. fact." And as I was having the conversation with my friend, I said, "You know what I realized? You're actually not an agnostic. You are an atheist because you're telling me that no proof is good enough." Right. So you're not you're not actually saying I'm open and I just haven't had proof. You're actually saying if proof did exist, I would not believe it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I do think it contradicts that. I do think some people are so stubborn that with or without this story, they will not change. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I hope that people do. And I do hope that like Christmas in its sadness and difficulty, I hope that does inspire a lot of change for people. Mm-hmm as they experience the difficulty of their families or of the time of year, that that would inspire them to become something better and more. Agreed. Jeff, do you have any last words to say? Uh, just that we're halfway out of the dark, man. Yeah. And all us lady raptors have to stick together. All <laughs> us lady raptors have to stick together. How <laughs> uh, was that repeatedly uttered in an episode about a Christmas carol? Jeff, whether or not we can hear you, can you tell... The good people where to find us? Absolutely. You can find us on the internet uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Geek Orthodox Pod and on Facebook as well. And you can find, you can just email us at geekorthodoxpodcast at gmail.com. Um, please also, if you like the show, please go on to iTunes and leave us a review and give us a rating of like five stars. Uh, should be sufficient. Um, and uh, it just. You should actually petition itunes to allow you to give us more stuff yes that's what you should yes you should do it i think also you can leave more than one review (laughs) Uh, like i think you can review and rate things multiple times so if you've already done it don't feel like your civic obligation is done um it's (laughs) it's still there you can go back you can vote multiple times (laughs) okay you can you can milk the same cow more than once let me tell you yes (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, so I would like to end this episode by reading the end of A Christmas Carol, sure. partially because it has the word intercourse in it. <laughs> partially um, or solely? The, the word, <laughs> it doesn't end with the word intercourse. We know how this, this ends. So, okay, let me say it. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became a good friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and he little heeded them, For he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in its outset. And knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins, as have the malady in less attractive form. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. 
May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God, God bless, bless us. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> intercourse. He had no further intercourse with spirits. <laughs> all right, that's... All right, I'll talk to you guys later. I think that's it. All right, cool. All right, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye. We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> We're Marley and Marley, our hearts were painted black. We should have known our evil deeds would put us both in shackles. Captive bound, we're double iron, exhausted by the weight. As freedom comes from giving love, so prison comes with hate. We're Marley and Marley. We're Marley and Marley. But my friends, you were not unfeeling towards your fellow men. True. There was something about mankind we loved. I think it was their money. <laughs> Doom, Scrooge. You're doomed for all time. Your future is a horror story written by your crime. Your chains are forged by what you say and do. So have your fun when life is done. A nightmare waits for you. <laughs> What are these terrible chains? Oh, the chains! We forge these chains in life by our acts of greed. You wear such a chain yourself. Humbug. Speak comfort to me, friends. Comfort! Have you, have uh, you seen the meme of Raptor, Raptor Jesus? I think so. <laughs> no, I have not. I've seen Velociraptor. Really? I'm not sure if I've seen Raptor um, Jesus. There's... Oh, is it Jesus riding? Is it Jesus riding a raptor? No, it's it's a, a raptor with like the Jesus like uh, halo like sun around his head. Okay. And um, there's one where you know you know the one where he has like the hand over the heart and one hand up like with the yeah. two fingers. It's like yeah. that, but he's got his like raptor claw up. <laughs> and uh, it says Raptor Jesus, he's gone extinct to save you from your sins. Oh um, no! And the other one is. <laughs> Uh, oh. is Raptor Jesus repent? He's learned to open doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very good. <laughs>